0: Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanias, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into Oro Commerce and the importance of a customer-first approach for manufacturing and distribution companies, looking at B2B and commerce and everything in between. Maybe. So overall today, I've got two guests with me in the studio. I have Brendan Cameron from AmericanEagle.com and I have Modi Danino from Oro Commerce, who is the COO. And we are excited to have you both here with me today. Thank you very much. Great to be back. Brendan, why don't you kind of let everyone know you've been on the show before, but just a reminder, your role here at AmericanEagle.com.
1: Yeah, I'm the strategic accounts director, uh, specifically in the B2B sector. So manufacturing and distribution are Probably the the biggest component of what I do. I've been at American Eagle for 12 years now and uh, helping clients like Kirby Risk, Remke Manufacturing, State Electric, you know, among others that are in that kind of sector and space.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And Modi, a little bit about your background. And then also, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners just a little bit of the company background as well for Oro. Yeah. So
2: Modi Danino, as, as you mentioned, CEO of uh, Oro, and I'm responsible for uh, global sales partnership and marketing. I'm with the company, uh, since 2014. Um, I actually know you have the CEO for 30 years, uh, longer than I know my wife, which is <laughs> crazy. Um, but we started, uh, or in 2012, um, basically, uh, when we were at Magento, a lot of companies came to us and said, Hey, we be doing commerce. We want to do e-commerce B2B companies. And, and we initially said, Hey, oh, yeah, of course we can do that. Um, mm-hmm. but very fast we found out that, uh, B2B is much, much different than B2C. And if the system is not built to, to support the the use cases and the needs, it's just really hard to do. So what we set out to do is to develop a platform and and a service that is dedicated for B2B. Uh, so we started with our CRM, which can, you can think about it, the kind of back office of, of a B2B in a way. Mm -hmm. And in 2017, uh, uh, we launched the first version of oral commerce starting to sell the product later on this year. And that's that's our focus since then, uh, manufacturers, uh, distributors, wholesalers uh, around the world. So we have customers all over the world, uh, mainly in U.S. and North America, but also in, in Asia and and so on. Wonderful, wonderful.
0: Appreciate that. So as we look at the topic for today and, and just kind of a re-education for our listeners, if you have forgotten, Lessons for Tomorrow is about lessons from the past to apply in the present. For success in the future so let's talk a little bit about just where we are at with customer first approach manufacturing distribution companies i think the biggest thing is one there's kind of a trend in the past right prior to 2020 where we saw a big shift in b2b companies finally coming into the commerce space very slowly usually they are behind b2c from that perspective with that there's a lot of you know manufacturing and distribution companies that really have a challenge of needing to be in this digital format for commerce, yet still having the digital transformation happen with systems internally, with the mindset of the sellers and the buyers and just the relationships that they build overall. And I think that all kind of lends to what you just talked about, Modi, of the you know need for B2B and how unique it is, right? And the complexities behind it because of all the systems that power it, because of the uniqueness of different ways that, I would say even with Google right now, we can't send partial quantities to Google when we look at the analytics side of things because in B2B world, they will work in fractional decimal amounts. Google only allows a whole integer. So we can't even get the analytics the right way for B2B without having to do some workarounds from a perspective or accepting that that system can't be used. And the system as big as Google means that, hey, what are the other uniquenesses, right? That's a very small example that we face. So when we look at this, And when these B2B companies are focused on this digital growth and getting into that commerce space, what's the reason for making sure that we stay customer first in that approach for how a B2B company brings commerce to light within their industry or how they evolve whatever
2: digital commerce solution they had previously. You know, when you, you talking about B2B companies and, and as you mentioned, and what we see in the market is that B2B companies are probably around 8 to 10 years behind B2C as far as technology adoption, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's something uh, that we see quite a bit. Obviously, there are a lot of companies that kind of ahead of the curve, but uh, that's what we generally see, which means that they need a lot of education, right? They need to be educated on the technologies, uh, what's available, what not, what the technology can do. Uh, they need to be uh, hand through the process of you know, their kind of digital transformation. And you really need to listen and and to their needs, right? Because sometimes they come up and they have a long list of things without really being focused on what really needs to be done. And you really need to take them through the process. Okay, you want to go digital, but let's think about the process of it. You know, how are you going to go about and do that? Because uh, that will save you a lot of, of time at the end. So really understanding what the customer needs are and what the process would be, uh, this is a key kind uh, of component of really focusing on the customer need, right? If you don't do that, you miss everything from the start.
1: Yeah. One of the big things that we always deal with is you're, you're trying to replace that sales rep mm-hmm. and that sales rep has 30, 40, 50 years experience. These businesses have all been around for 100 years or more, you know, celebrating their 110th, 120th anniversary and whatnot. And You have lifelong salespeople that know the answer off the top of their head. And what we need to try to do is have the website provide that same type of service. So whether it's having the information readily available, finding the right product based on maybe an abstract keyword or phrase or question, it's that same type of usability to where we want to make sure the customer who's not an expert at the products being sold can find that product as easily as somebody who has that wealth of knowledge and the years of experience. And the way you do that is a combination of prepping your information properly and Mm -hmm. having everything available to the customer, as well as having the right technology stack that can do that kind of work without having more overhead than it is to have that salesperson hand-holding the customer. So it's that trade-off to where we talk about, you know, it's always, we want to maximize revenue. We want to maximize revenue. But at the same time, decreasing that overhead is almost as valuable as increasing that revenue by a point. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those fine balancing acts you got to do.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, I think there's twofold. One, exactly what you said, Brendan, of just the e-commerce is a, a replacement for sales and in, in, in a sense, it can also be a complement to sales and and it can work together with them when you don't have them in the office, but a machine breaks down and someone still wants to order it. Uh, With several clients, I've had conversations about how you're seeing people drive 80, 100 miles to pick up a part in order to be able to keep that machine going as fast as possible. And so the commerce is then providing that kind of after hours ability to ensure that they are able to go through and still put orders through if their main sales rep is just not available from that perspective. With that, I would also say that that's one of the detractors to moving into the B2B commerce space for some of these organizations where the sales force feels so threatened that sometimes leadership chooses not to pursue it as fast or they partially go into it but don't have a full solution that's really there to act fully like another sales person that they then start to actually modify their approach to commerce in a positive or a negative way. It depends on the industry and the the organization. What I really think is interesting is when you look at the customer-centric approach. You talk about the lifelong salesperson and their experience, their knowledge of the customer, the knowledge of the products of of what they provide to that customer, and the way that Oro is truly that customer-centric aspect. And, And Modi, you mentioned this with just the CRM aspect of Oro as well as the commerce piece. And I think that's where it is unique about the flexibility from a B2B commerce need that you have much more of that customer data enrichment alongside the commerce piece. Can you talk about a little bit how that kind of combination of product came to be within mm-hmm. Oro?
2: You know, first point that you mentioned uh, about replacing salespeople, our approach is, and, and when we're discussing with customers, is more how we make your sales team uh, more efficient, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the goal. Obviously, if you... If you Companies have this fear that, hey, you know, uh, what are you going to fire 50% of my sales team? No, that's that's not our goal. Is mm-hmm. our goal is really take away the the mundane operations that you do every day as a salesperson and really give you more time to build your relationship with your customers or build a relationship with new customers. Uh, that's that's our goal, and we we have you know use cases that actually uh, demonstrate that. Uh, so that's our approach here, and, and I think it's 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 working well uh, for us. And that's also allows the sales team to be involved in the process early on because one of the biggest challenges of B2B uh, companies is change management, right? Mm -hmm. How you make sure that my people actually using the the product and uh, how you make sure that your customers are using the product. So involving those people early on is very important and this is how we kind of engage it. As far as um, uh, the CRM and commerce, so it's it's an interesting story, uh, right? We, as I said, we left uh, Magento after the eBay acquisition. Uh, we had some non-compete <laughs> with eBay, so and, and you have had the idea of, of you know, of CRM, building a CRM back then, and we launched the CRM actually in 2013. We started to have customers, but a lot of our customers came to us and said, said, "What about the front end of it, right? Because mm-hmm. you know we have kind of the the cell enablement capabilities, the market marketing capabilities, but how about?" you know, interact, actually interacting with our customers and, and having a portal for our customers to, to, uh, to purchase. And this is kind of how it started. And this is how we started to build the, the commerce piece of it and uh, on top of our platform, which means that the CRM and the commerce is fully integrated. For us, what we see is it's, it's a huge advantage, you know, going back to the point that um, B2B companies are behind as far as technology. Sometimes we go into a customer and they don't have a CRM at all. Right, so for them having one license that covers the CRM and commerce, it's it's a big advantage for them. Obviously, they don't if they have a CRM, they don't have to use our CRM. We can integrate with it. But going back to data, this is this is a, a core value that we that we provide. So first of all, your entire team as a merchant team can log into the system one portal. You don't have to log into different portals to, to manage your operations. And obviously based on your own permission, you, you can interact with different uh, data set, but it's also helps you to really monitor and, and, and optimize the entire engagement with the customer, right? Cause they, they start of the, on the front end and a lot of things happen. So you have the, the data, right? You know, you have a customer that, you know, want to request a code. So we start with that and then is salesperson that responsible, get the notification and respond back right and kind of doing everything online or a customer receives an order there is an issue right what's a customer su- a support person can log in and see all the information about the customer any previous history with this customer and really have information that can help them with the engagement with the customer so it's it makes everything more efficient and, and really help our, our customers to really monitor how their buyers are behaving online and how they can improve it. And it's all because of the data that comes from the CRM and from the commerce. And you see it in one one place yeah. and you can mine it and, you know, uh, get reports on it and see what's going on.
1: And another part is you're dealing with licenses that uh, across all the platforms, your ERP system typically has a, a per user limit. And the ERP system is all encompassing that has accounting that has, you know, the product data has the CRM, some aspects to it, some ERPs are better than others. And a nice thing that Oro does as well as other B2B platforms better than you'll find in some of the more traditional retail centric platforms is the impersonation. Mm -hmm. Because when you have a customer calling, possibly frustrated on the website, you want them to contact your sales rep, you want them to contact your CSR and have that person on the phone ready to help them find the issue on the website. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have your sales rep and CSR team using the website, those calls aren't going to be as effective. You know, you're going to have to escalate to the e-commerce team or something like that. So to have these sales rep and CSR centric tools like impersonation, like you're able to do pricing overrides, you're able to do, you know, see, have visibility of like the cost per product and the margin you're getting for the sales price to go in and build lists for your customers when you're onboarding a new client. This ensures that you get that sales rep buy-in, that customer service buy-in to help with that change management because Moti is 100% right. change is you think change is hard in your everyday life, change is 10 times harder in the B2B world. Mm -hmm.
0: I like to always, I heard it, I can't remember who said it now, but change is easy, transition is hard Mm -hmm. to actually get it to stick, right? You mentioned that before, too. It's not only your your internal team starting to use something new, but it's all your customers who've also been so used to the way that you work. And a, a few years, well, it was more than a few years back now, but I did have a client who still maintained a fax line for one customer that still just faxed in everything to them and who would not transition over into the online portal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, I, want, I want to kind of dig back over to and, and, and redirect more specifically within some of the Oral Commerce B2B features. And we think about just manufacturing distributors. And, and Brendan, maybe you can kick this off. But what are some of the, the the unique challenges that we have seen of the way that those industries work within B2B and how, you know, like an Oro Commerce solution really solves for that, right? We've talked about the customer knowledge. Uh, we talked about a few things that you just, you know, rattled off about just the the needs there. But specifically in distribution, I mean, there's areas of responsibility. There's uh, restrictions on certain purchasing methods uh, or, or needs for very specific purchasing uh, methods overall. Uh, kind of kick us off into the uniqueness there and then how Oro really starts to kind of fill in those complex needs that a B2B organization has.
1: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost is the big difference between B2B and B2C online is probably the fact that in retail and B2C, you're you're ordering for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my Amazon account. Sure, my wife and I share that account, but really it's our personal thing. And whatever we purchase, it's it's for us. Uh, The second you hop into a more B2B structure, it's now the fact that you are purchasing for your organization.
0: Yeah.
1: I hop on Granger and I, I'm buying for AmericanEagle.com. So everything's changed. The entire dynamic has. So I want to make sure that if I'm placing the order, you, Tim, who want to check tracking, you don't have to come to me. You want to be able to log into your account and see the order I placed and where the status is. And, and it just goes from there from having different personas share that same account. So having an accountant be able to look up invoices, having a, a buyer be able to quickly order products, have a engineer or project manager or contractor be able to go in and start building a buy list. You have all these different roles that are now essentially shopping for that one entity. And they all have their different goals. They all have their different objectives. And we need to measure the KPIs for all of them. And that's one of the big things that Oro has is, you know, they have this permission manager that essentially you can make these ad hoc rules. And I I say this to all of my clients, like everyone has the same problems, but they have the little intricacies that make them all unique. So everyone needs to have these permissions, but every company and every client I work with, their permissions are a little bit different from each other. Mm. And to have that kind of ad hoc permission management, to have the ability to generate roles in the admin. It makes that setup process. It makes the uniqueness between all of our clients a lot easier when coming to implementing and onboarding those types of systems.
2: Yeah. Uh, so just kind of to to add to it, you know, obviously in the B two B space, the buyer is a company. It's not an individual, so it's not a, an impulse buying. It's a process buying, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's totally different. And um, when you are in the B two B space, you know, you have a, our CEO kind of coined the term is you know in the b2b the bigger b wins so (laughs) right if if your customer is a big customer and he needs something specific you will have to do it because otherwise he he will not buy right and i'll I'll touch on it a little bit later but you know when you're selling to companies you'll need to provide some what you might call basic kind of capabilities and basic for us you know contracted pricings maybe put multiple pricing customized catalogs or multiple catalogs but it's also going beyond that it's how you uh, promote different content to different buyers because you know you'll have buyers in de- different sector. so i don't know if you have uh, uh, large companies or small companies or, or government comp or buyers you know you'll have to uh, communicate with them differently promote different things and provide different processes so Maybe a government uh, buyer will have a checkout process that it's only with terms. Mm-hmm. They will not pay with credit cards. Yeah. But maybe other buyers will have, you know, the ability to purchase with terms, but also with credit card, right? Or they want to ship with this shipper or that shipper, right? Mm-hmm. So all of these things, you know, you, you need to customize to your customers and make sure that you provide them the experience that they expect. Because if not, they will not use it. Yeah. that's that's the B2B space right so uh, all these uh, uh, customized experiences to your customers is, is very important and if your system is not designed to do that uh, it just will not work mm-hmm. right it just will not work and uh, and we see it all the time and and with Oro we provide our customers the 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 sellers to really uh, manage their the buyers in, in different ways uh, making sure that the buyers are setting up as a company and not an individual so they'll have the opportunity to set up all the personas that they have they can track information on a company level they can group them in in tiers so you know you might have a group of companies that get the same experience but still can override uh, specific experiences to specific customers uh, so all of these uh, personalized experience is very very important uh, for the b2b space Obviously, another thing that we learn uh, very fast is each company has its own processes, right? You know, from a simple process of a checkout, right? It's a workflow. A request for a quote is a workflow. Mm -hmm. And what we learned early on is that we need to have an engine that can help you to digitize any process in the organization, be it a customer-facing or internal-facing, right? Let's say you need approval from your manager on a you know on the code that you provided to a customer right for example as an example for internal process so we build the workflow engine so the workflow engine you know as an aside for example American Eagle can go and understand what the customer needs are from processes perspective and actually configure those in the system so the customer the merchant and the buyers will have the processes that they need in order to buy so These are some of the elements that are, are unique. And, and you know, our approach is B2B focus, right? Mm-hmm. Not to say that we're not doing B2C. We have a lot of customers that are doing B2B and B2C, yeah. but it's much easier to go from B2B to B2C than the other way around. But it's really our focus. It, it's what the B2B company needs are. And this is kind of what's guide us.
1: And, mm. and one of the pieces that we focus on is expanding what every B2B customer does. So a lot of the time you have like the five main quadrants. You have, you have your manufacturers, the, the people that build the product. You have your distributors and resellers. They purchase a product and, and distribute. You have your providers, you have your, your municipalities, and you have your organizations. All of those are dealing with different things. American Eagle is a B2B provider. We're providing the services. Or as a, a manufacturer developer, they develop the, the product. Now, when we're dealing with B2B, and this is one of the the great things about Oro having the CRM and the e-commerce platform together is many of the clients that are in this B2B sector belong to more than one quadrant. So you have a distributor who's selling products, but at the same time they do consulting, they do on site inventory services, they do, you know, delivery trucks and and logistics work. So You want to monetize everything that happens on the e-commerce site beyond just how much revenue have our products generated. So to have the CRM in here, we're able to do those personalized experiences. We can identify a customer that's going to be using the services and we could start promoting the services that the company provides and we could get it into that pipeline for the service revenue. And if you close that deal, if you close that consulting job, You now know that it's sourced by the e-commerce site. A lot of the issues we always have in B2B, and this is another kind of staple, is the margins are so small, the budgets are very low and we need to show the proof that, you know, your website is generating enough revenue. And a lot of the times it's only getting reported a third or a quarter of the revenue coming from the site because their CRM's not hooked up to the lead gen. They have no idea where these consulting leads are coming from and they very well might be coming from the site. So having that connection out of the box is a huge advantage. And I said it before, but personalization based on identifying the user from the CRM is just another powerful tool at your disposal.
0: Yeah. And, and Brennan, I want to unpack something that you mentioned there. It's just kind of the, the reality of what the e-commerce platform will bring to a B2B distributor manufacturer is they're investing all the time in new factory floor tech or in their supply chain efforts. But when you really look at who is going to win in the B2B space, as you know, the world changes as we saw over the past couple of years with the pandemic and the shift and the challenges that logistics faced and supply, digital is where everything went during that time frame, when everything shut down. It accelerated the growth for B2C, B2B, everyone. It accelerated the frustrations because of, I believe the Modi to your point earlier, seven to eight years behind that B2B is also in because that connection to system, that connection to transaction isn't there across the board evenly. So when they invest in all this other stuff to increase efficiency, reduce costs, what do you think is the barrier in their minds to say that the commerce isn't another way to help with that after the initial cost of implementing?
1: I think it's the it's the unfamiliarity. Mm. If I and, and the owner of the owner of American Eagle says it best, if you ask a distributor or a wholesaler what they're willing to invest to open up a new branch, a new brick and mortar, they know the cost of labor, they know the cost of land, they know the cost of, you know, maintaining a building. Like all of those things are known entities because they've done it before. They've done it dozens of times and they know that this is how much I need to invest to have a successful brick and mortar. When we are asking a client to invest in in the digital real estate that is their website, they just see a very high number (laughs) because we're asking them to invest in a, a technology stack. They're lacking probably everything across the board. We're asking them to invest in time to implement, enrich their data so that, again, that salesperson is available on the website and all of these things. They just think it's like it should be magic. I, I you know, I was on YouTube and I saw a Squarespace ad and it's five dollars a month. How come you're asking for so much more than five dollars a month? It's like, well, there's all of those things we talked about opening a brick and mortar. It's the same thing for the most part. It's different resources. It's different products and, you know, pieces. But it is the same thing. You're investing in a new branch. It's just in the digital landscape.
0: Modi, your thoughts on just how the barrier to, you know, any of these B2B organizations understanding the value in the upfront for e-commerce, when to me it's to Brennan's conversation just now about the brick and mortar concept they know what that is well brick and mortar can only be open for so many hours of a day you have people come and go there's a churn perspective from a training aspect that aren't always thought about in a cost aspect but an e-commerce solution when you put oro in Oro commerce and that's up and running 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year that's a huge value add in my mind
2: yeah and i think it's uh, it's going to the point of being aware and knows about the solution and what they can bring to your organization. And and you need to have somebody in, there, in the organization that understand that and push towards that. Because they have a lot of painful issues that they need to deal with every day. And if somebody just don't think about, okay, what outside of it, they'll just ignore it. Uh, you know, <laughs> an amazing example that I can give you is that, uh, I think it was four or five weeks ago i uh, went to uh, participate in the manufacturing leadership console uh, they have a con- they had a conference mm-hmm. in uh, in florida and the theme was uh, digital transformation 4.0 and the reason i went there is uh, one of our customer dunlop uh, won an award basically implementing oral commerce and really uh, exhibit uh, uh, really interesting uh, kpis mainly about how they save time for their people But anyway, I was in this conference and I'm going to, you know, all these talks and everything is looking inward, right? How I improve my logistics. You know, what about my supply chain, Mm -hmm. everything around that. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, anybody think here about digitizing the relationship with your customers and actually went, and there were big companies over there. Some of the largest in the world. And I went to people there and I'm like, why, why we are not talking about them. So, oh, you know what you're right. I don't know why we're not talking about it, but you know, our pain right now is logistics. Our pain right now is supply chain. And this is what we really, uh, uh, would like to, to resolve because it's a huge pain. Mm-hmm. So one thing is the awareness of what an e-commerce can bring to your organization and somebody to push it. And you know, second thing is today, at least in the last year and a half or so, you know, they have huge problems with the the supply chain that they are focusing on trying to solve because they don't have anything to sell. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah, definitely.
0: A lot was learned in the way that uh, organizations communicated during the supply chain logistics challenges the past couple of years. I know numerous episodes I talked about my couch buying experience and the delays that I experienced. I actually just had a really poor one yesterday, ordered a new Blackstone griddle um, from a, a local hardware store that I won't talk about name wise. But <laughs> I have a, a natural gas uh, outlet on the outside of my house. So I want to plug into that. So I have to buy a conversion kit instead of the propane tank that would come with it. And both were in stock. And as far as what the website told me, I ordered it and both went through successfully. And then about an hour and a half later, I got a cancellation email. Didn't say why, just (laughs) said, this item has been removed from your order. And I was like, that's really weird. So it's either an inventory issue or something else. But for me, it was more about the messaging and the messaging that not only B2C has to have, but especially B2B when you are in much more of that process-oriented transaction versus an impulse transaction You know, that process, that messaging that is there, especially when you're challenged with being able to deliver, is so critical for a B2B organization to deliver upon.
2: Yeah, look, a manufacturer or distributor that uh, have a commerce operation running also can kind of help you with the logistics of things, right? So, you know, first, you might have customers or buyers assigned to specific warehouses. And they might order something that is not in this warehouse, but in, in another warehouse, so you can manage that. You know, you can on the website or when you basically set up your customer, you can assign to them, you know, warehouse ba- based on priority or based where the product is and you actually move products from warehouses mm-hmm. that they might exist versus warehouses that, you know, they have yeah. shortage. You can see, you know, we time, you can see, okay, what are customers demanding is there any change in demand you know usually in a b2b space it's when you're starting your your commerce you're just bringing your offline customers to online right so you know what they order and what not or whatever it is but w- when they come online they might order different things maybe their kind of their uh, average order value grows uh, you know you bring new customers so you can see maybe there is a shift in demands for specific products that then you can go back and say okay let me readjust you know, what's happening in my manufacturing or my logistics. So there are a lot of ways that it it can help, but still, again, it's, you know, you need to build the awareness and people should know that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: There's, there's two main, what I'll call ordering processes in B2B. You have methodical, which is that whole process that goes from the contractor, the engineer, the project manager has a problem and they find the product that is the solution. That goes down the chain to the buyer who's given a, a bill of lading or billing of materials and they need to order it as quickly as possible. And then you have the accounting team that's gonna fulfill the invoice. That's very methodical. That, that is kind of that standard practice. There is no impulse buy. There's nothing like I saw this stovetop grill on TikTok and now I'm just gonna quickly hop over to Amazon and, and buy it off a whim. It's, there's an entire process that goes to ordering things. The other process that I see the most common is discovery. Buyers, engineers, project managers, contractors, they're going to buy the product one way or another. And they have their list of vendors that provides certain bylines, certain materials, manufacturers that they know that they can go to. The way that we increase average order volume is we got to take that methodical process we talked about and start introducing those other bylines into that process. Because a win for me is an engineer going to my site because I sell conduit and they know I sell conduit. But now I start introducing the wiring or now I start introducing the junction boxes or the breakers or the breaker boxes and all of this stuff. And they go, oh, I usually had to go over to a different site to buy this stuff. But you sell it too. I'll make it easier. One stop, I go here and I buy it. So we introduce that whole new process of discovery into that methodical process, which is that's what we see raising that average order value. It's not exactly an impulse buy because, again, we knew that they were going to buy it. They were just going to buy it from somebody else. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to increase that convenience. It's retail is perfected convenience. We can't copy that into B2B because, again, it doesn't fit that impulse type of structure, even with some research that, that retail structure is different. But by introducing this kind of discovery impulse purchase is the next best thing in B2B.
0: Yeah. Well, we're coming up on the end of our show here, so I want to just ask my ending question about the future of B two B commerce. So, Modi, in your mind, in three years, where do you see B two B commerce going? And you know, if you could have a crystal ball, what would you see?
2: Oh man, I should go to Vegas then. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because when we launched Oral Commerce, and we basically we we came with a slogan, you know, purposely built for B two B. As far as I recall that time, you know, no other platform said, Hey, we are focused for B2B, mm-hmm. no other platform in the market really focused on this message. And since then, you know, you see all the platforms saying that they're for B2B and B2C, um, you know, B2B companies are adopting commerce. Uh, I think it's the tip of the iceberg, the ball, the snowball just start rolling and it will get bigger and bigger. And you'll see more, more and more companies. Uh, adopting, uh, digital commerce, uh, and bringing more tools to it to become more efficient, I think, you know, in, in, in the still in, in general, in the, in the first, you know, in the next two to three years, you see companies adopting commerce, but then adopting some other tools like maybe AI or BI to kind of get the insight of what, you know, to improve and how to improve their, their business so i see that growing pretty significantly as far as uh, b2b commerce i think it will i don't think i know it, it will grow fa- way faster than what we see in the b2c b2c is almost kind of saturated in a way the b2b is the new the new space another thing that we see is if you look at the uh, evolution of commerce you know if it's a b2c and now a b2b uh we're get, getting into marketplaces and we yeah. see uh, more companies are interested in the marketplace because uh it helps them to do or serve the customer a little better and you know we have many merchants that um, they use what they call the b2b to b model or b2b to c model basically bringing their partners to sell on their site yeah Uh, so their customers can find everything on one side so you know this is kind of use case of a marketplace but we see also marketplace coming up in the b2b space again from the focus of how can i serve my and buyers better so
0: wonderful wonderful appreciate it Brendan anything to add to that future
1: yeah i think I think last time I talked about the fact that the cost to investment is going down you know it, when you look at the the model of b 2 b to be a pioneer cost millions of investment to get the tools that's all been set aside I think now is the opportunity where we can start differentiating and the order process is I don't want to say perfected, but it is very, very streamlined. Everyone knows that kind of methodical approach. We have the order approval process. I think the differentiators that are coming in are going to be all of the services a sales rep or a CSR can provide needs to be implemented onto the site. We need to prevent the levy of calls that come in every day asking for a status update, asking for a copy of the invoice because they threw it away or lost it. Essentially, everything that goes into the relationship with a customer after an order is placed needs to get online because it's again, minimizing that overhead. If I could get my sales rep 30 more minutes a day on new client development, that's a huge win. That's hours a week, month, year. What I see coming up is getting a much heavier focus on a lot of those tools and resources that come on the back end of an order getting into that e-commerce environment.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, you heard it here on Lessons for Tomorrow. I want to thank you for tuning into the future. Brendan, Modi, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Uh, We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. For more information about the topics discussed, please check out the description of this episode. We'll have links in there to Oro Commerce and some of the other areas of Oro that we talked about today. Uh, If you want us to cover a specific topic or submit feedback, please email us at lessons for tomorrow at AmericanEagle.com and let us know. While you're at it, if you don't mind giving us a rating and sharing this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And as always, please follow us on social media where you may find me or you may not. I'm seldomly there. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com studios. I'm your host, Tim Elenius and I'll catch you in the next lesson.